For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Lena Kim. You're listening to Daybreak. Today, we cover women cross-country's performance over the weekend, flooding in coastal New Jersey, a last-minute bill passed by the Senate and the House averting a government shutdown, and a suicide bombing in Turkey's capital. It's Monday, October 2nd. This past weekend, the women's cross-country team raced in their third major meet of the season, faring much better weather conditions compared to the last weekend's race for the men's team. I sat down with contributing sports writer Max Hines to learn more about the main highlights and takeaways from this race. I am Max Hines, class of 25, and I am a contributor to the sports section at the Prince. So what were some of the main highlights of this meet? So this was the first opportunity for the women's team to test themselves in a bigger field this year. Um, So far, they'd had two races, one of which was four teams in New Jersey, and one of which was three, the Harvard-Yale-Princeton meet, and that was three weeks ago, so they really hadn't raced in a while. So this race was their first big opportunity to test themselves against a regional field. There were four other Ivy League teams and a bunch of other teams from the Northeast, and test themselves on a course that they'd be seeing at the Ivy League Championships, also known as HEPs, in November. And it was also a chance to test themselves when the conditions weren't great, as we saw and as New York City saw, The weather was abysmal and the course was really muddy, so it was a good challenge. What are the main takeaways from this weekend um, from the women's team and what do we see for the cross-country team in the future? Yeah, so I think results-wise, the team placed sixth out of 16, which on its face is decently good, but they left there wanting more and knowing that they could have performed better. A lot of the runners were kind of stronger in the beginning and then faded back towards the end, which might be a function just of not having raced a lot this year and not having raced a longer distance this year yet. Another takeaway is just getting the knowledge of the course. Uh, One of the team captains told me that the course is kind of technical in some places, some places are more runnable than others. So it seems like a very unique course in terms of the actual terrain. So a big takeaway is knowing how to run the course, knowing how parts of the course play to different people's strengths and knowing what to do better when it really matters in November, because this has been a kind of a common thread throughout the, both the women's team and the men's team, that both are very focused on the later races towards the end of the year. It was a good chance to see the course and a good chance to test their legs, see where they're at progress-wise, and build for the future. So you mentioned this big meet in November, HEPS. Do you mind explaining that a little bit further? Yeah, so HEPS is short for the Ivy League Heptagonal Championships, and it's kind of the Ivy League Championship race. So that's one of the biggest races of the year in terms of importance because it's where the team has a chance to win or lose the Ivy League. Um, Harvard's entering in the women's field as two-time defending champions and the course is in Boston. So obviously they're gonna have a lot of momentum on their side. So that's why it's so important that the team has a good showing there. And then after HEPs, there's both NCAA regionals, which is in Lehigh, Pennsylvania, and a couple of runners from the team had a chance to preview that course on Saturday. And then NCAA championships, which is going to be, you know, the biggest with all the best schools from across the country and all the best runners. And that's the weekend of November 17th and 18th in Virginia. So those are kind of the three big races that bookend the year. But HEPs in terms of Ivy League bragging rights and Ivy League titles and the hardware is very important. I'll definitely be on the lookout for those. But thank you so much. Thank you. To learn more about the cross-country recap, visit dailyprincetonian.com or at the link in our show notes. In local news, severe storms following Tropical Storm Ophelia have caused flooding and several road closures in New York and coastal New Jersey, with the Jersey Shore seeing nearly eight inches of rain on Friday. 
Mayor John Moore of Asbury Park, New Jersey, noted that the flooding was the worst he has seen since 2005. Most roads along the Jersey Shore reopened Saturday. Regional floods from Ophelia made national headlines after a state of emergency was declared in New York City. Heavy floodwaters entered the city's subway system and forced some residents into rafts to navigate the city during the downpour. In national news, in a vote of 88 to 9, the Senate passed a last-minute spending bill late Saturday night, narrowly avoiding government shutdown. The bill will maintain most government spending at its current levels for the next 46 days until November 17th, but does not allocate funds for future aid to Ukraine. The extension also fails to provide funding for increased border security, which has been a persistent demand from congressional Republicans. In international news, two suicide bombers targeted a government building in the Turkish capital of Ankara yesterday. Both attackers were killed, but Turkish officials have reported that one was neutralized before detonating the second bomb. Two police officers were injured. The Kurdish Workers' Party, known as the PKK, claimed responsibility for the attack, calling it a response to, quote, the oppression of the Kurdish people. The PKK began its insurgency against the Turkish government in 1984, seeking to establish an independent Kurdish state. Since it has been named a terrorist organization by Turkey, the US, and the European Union. The attack occurred hours before the Turkish parliament was scheduled to return from its summer break. Look forward to warmer weather this week. Today, expect mostly sunny skies with a high of 78 and a low of 54. That's all for Daybreak today. Today's episode was written by Charlotte Young, Twyla Colburn, and me. Sound engineered by Eden Tashoma and produced under the 147th Managing Board of the Prince. Our theme was composed by Ed Horan, class of 22. For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Lena Kim. Have a wonderful day.